But let's get into it, and yep. let's talk about a potential buyout. And I know yep. Stars fans will say, well, absolutely, that's the right move. And the question is, is whether Stars fans like it or not, like you said, Sean, Ryan Suter at times, you know, has has been good and has filled that gap and want to point out time on ice, over 20 minutes a game. So to just buy someone out and say, okay, well, we have some cap space. Well, does my question to you is, does it alleviate enough cap space so that you could bring someone in or replace Ryan Suter and fill that time on ice? Yeah, yeah no, but yeah. So it makes sense too on the, um, on the, on let's the hard numbers of the cap space. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's talk that first. So if you buy Suter out, um, now it's a typical thirty. It's it's not a typical thirty-five plus contract because um, it wasn't front-loaded. Um, it was that was I think this this was partially intentional. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't front-loaded with the um, if you front if you front-load a, a thirty-five plus contract, you're not allowed to you you have more harsh penalties if you buy it out. So if you buy Ryan Suter out, you actually save um, two point eight million against the cap this year and the following year. Which is enough space to either to 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 make a to add a depth piece to the roster. It's enough, but it's an or add enough add add a depth piece to the roster. Um, not a major piece, but a depth piece. It also gives you a little bit more wiggle room because the stars are going to be closer to the cap than people realize next year because of all these performance bonus overages. Um, and then it costs you. Um, and for the 25-26 and the 26-27 season would cost you 1.4 million against the cap. Um, obviously, you don't like that, but for me, I, I look at this from an economic standpoint for the Stars. Next year, the cap's only going to go up a million dollars. Um, maybe it goes up the year after, but maybe it doesn't. Depends on the on the uh, NHL, uh, on, the, on the player debt and the uh, and, and whether we can get the escrow debt paid off for obviously the quick 10 second queen tech set 10 second catch up for everyone out there who doesn't understand how it works. Basically NHL players and NHL owners fit split revenue 50, 50, but because contracts have to be signed before revenue is known, players could make more players contracts could represent more than 50% of revenue. If that's the case, the players that have to pay the owners back through escrow um, and it creates a, and and there's a, and that can create a debt. So and that debt has to be paid off. Did, did I explain that well enough in the no? 10 you did, and you know what? It's something a lot of people don't understand. So I'm glad yeah. you pointed that out. So basically, salary cap this year is only going to go up like a mill. Getting from from my money, it's not my money. It's Tom Gloria's money. But for spent for me saving 2.8 million this season against the cap is worth more than than losing 1.4 million during the 25, 26 or 26, 27 season when we're going to see the cap finally, hopefully jumping closer to 90 million a year because we're going to have these post COVID issues finally financially figured out. So the buyout part of it, like Ryan Suter's buy, it actually makes economic sense to me. It, it does. Um, like sometimes people will say like, Oh, they should buy out Jamie Ben because they get angry at Jamie Ben. Like, Buying out Jamie Ben makes no economic sense at all, but buying out Ryan Suter actually makes economic sense. Um, replacing Ryan Suter in the lineup and replacing his minutes and everything like that, and 
I wrote something about this for D Magazine with this podcast intentionally in mind as kind of an accompaniment to, to kind of go on all this. But um, to, to replace, I don't know if you're, you're not probably not going to be able to place Ryan Studer's minutes in game one of the season. Um, I'm not even, I, I'm not even like highly sold on this free agency class that you're going to find some really good options in free agency. Um, Damon Severson was probably the best available free agent on the defensive side. And he's already gone to a smart move, but one of the smarter moves by Columbus and an off season, when they've made some questionable ones, uh, where Columbus has, uh, and Severson's in Columbus now. I, but I'm okay. Like I I'm willing to live with short term, the stars being worse on game one of the 20 of the 23, 24 season being worse in game one of the 23, 24 season, because I believe Ryan Suter being gone will make them a better team in game 82. And as Vegas and Florida have shown us the regular season is a secondary thing. The most important thing is, how good are you in after from game 82 on? Have you thought about moving him to a third pairing? Or is that too tough a salary to have as a third pairing defense? It's not the salary. Okay. It's not the salary. It's the, but it is the, but it is, it is not possible. And here's why it's not possible. Okay. And I would love to be proven wrong on this because I very much, I think there's a high possibility. The stars will not buy out Ryan Suter. I think mean, there's a high probability. I think, like Jim Neal the other day said that he wasn't doing anything right now on it, or and and but I, I think there's a high probability it won't happen. But here's why: there is an ideal role for Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter can play on the third pair. He can play 16 minutes a night. He can kill penalties. But Ryan Suter is the coaches have their favorites. Ryan Suter is one of Pete DeBoer's favorite players. He trusts him implicitly. He trusts him completely. And as much, if this was a video game, Gavin, if there were no human emotions, I would say it's great. You can keep Ryan Suter. You can just move him to a third pair. You and I can go plug in the PlayStation right now mm-hmm. and it would work. Okay. Yep. Um, but when you have the human emotion of it, of Pete DeBoer trusts Ryan Suter, Jim Nil trusts Ryan Suter. When it's a 3-2 game in the third period, a coach is going to go to his favorite guys. When he's when he's giving when he when he's thinking when he's looking for solutions, you come in with rose-colored glasses on. We got to do this. And so while you can technically do it, you could move Ryan Suter to a th- third pair, you could de-escalate his role. It's not going to happen with the stars coaching staff and with this management. It's not going to happen. And that creates the problem where I do not see a world where you can have a successful long-term build on your defense for Thomas Harley and Nils Lundqvist with Ryan Suter here. And I think that's the biggest, that's the most important part of this, where um, Nils Lundqvist, you know what, playing Suter and playing Suter the second most minutes in the playoffs this year, um, Lundqvist being healthy scratch in the playoffs, this year, that was fine, Okay. I don't like that, That, but this year that was fine. It was the right decision in the playoffs. That's what happens. But there's no excuse for that in the next postseason next year. You need to play Lundquist. Lundquist needs to be, you need to find out if you actually have this guy you spent a first round pick for. You need to play him 
like you paid for him and you need to have him do that. You need to have him playing elevate starting low on the lineup, then elevating up. You need to have him playing on the power play. You need to grow that confidence for your supremely talented young offensive defenseman. Thomas Harley to me is already the star's second best defenseman. I don't, I mean, it, it depends on how you want to make up. I think there's a couple different ways you could build the star's ideal defense. And either way, one could be Harley and Hayshkin together for like the, we call it like the Megatron pair. I don't know, whatever, something fun like that, right? Where they can yeah. play together or they could each anchor their own pair. And I love that. Um, those are the, those to me are two of the most important things. Thomas Harley and Nils Lundqvist taking the next step and being your two and your three and your core behind Miro. It doesn't happen with Ryan Suter. Ryan Suter takes power play time. He takes minutes. You could say, oh, we'll start Lundqvist on the third pair and elevate him. If Ryan Suter's there, he's blocking the elevation. Um, and on top of that, Suter refuses to play on his offhand too. And so if you put him with Miro, Heishkinen has to play on his offhand. And now I don't have an issue. Heishkinen is an elite player. It can play on either side. It's not bothering Heishkinen either way, but when you're basically, <laughs> when, 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 when you're, when you're putting every, when one player's stubbornness and inability to play on one side impacts others, you're becoming a less dynamic team. So Ryan Suter if you and I are playing PlayStation and we're trying to win games, this is fine. You can keep them on the third pair because I can just move them down and the video game little character doesn't yell at me. Yeah. But you can't do it on this team. You got it's one of those where you got to rip off the band-aid. You have to go and do it because keeping him, keeping Ryan Suter locks too many things that you need to happen at. Game one, the stars will be better. But by game 10, when Lundquist is ready to move up in the lineup or or Harley has shown um, Harley has shown that he is even better than I, maybe he's even better than I said. And all of a sudden you have like, ah, how do we get in? And as that happens, and then we know talking to people from Minnesota, if you try to deescalate Suter's role, he is not great at taking that. He We've seen he doesn't deal well with criticism in general. He sulks about things he has in his career. I'm, I'm not, I'm just, it's just, it's, this is things I've heard about his, about him from teammates and it's, you got to rip off the bandaid now. Like it's, I know Jim Nil is a very loyal GM. He signed him and I would be, and I, and I wouldn't be and and because of that, I would, there's still pretty good odds. They won't buy out Suter, but sometimes you got to make the decision and you got to do what's best for your team. And you have to take away. It's, it's, it's like being a parent and having a kid where it's like, I don't want the kid playing with that toy. Well, if I just take that toy and hide it, they can't play with it and they'll pick something else to play with. And that's how almost how Jim Neal has to treat Pete DeBoer here, where if he takes Ryan Suter away from him, he can't play him. Well, you had mentioned Vegas at the start of the podcast, and that's where you are for the Stanley Cup. And you talked about their aggression over six years. You look at the stars, and the question is, is, you know, a buyout of Ryan Suter would be an aggressive move, and I like that kind of move. But mm-hmm. if they don't do that, Sean, there's another problem that creeps up in that minus Joel Hanley, everyone's under contract. Now, normally that could be a good thing as far as defensive pairing, but we did see uh, in the playoffs 
teams take advantage of the Stars' decor, I, I thought. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I thought they should improve on is, you know, physicality and getting pushed around and the deep forecheck. And, and that was, you know, you yeah. looked at the playbook of each series and, you know, let's start, you know, where do we want to start? Seattle. And, you know, I mean, the, the goal was to pin the stars in the, in their own zone, uh, you know, specifically, you know, focus on Heishkinen and, and others. Yeah. So, so I think that's something that I'm worried about, Sean, as far as, and getting to the Western conference finals is amazing. Yes. However, you need to make those improvements, and we saw what Vegas did with the tough moves with Flurry and, and and other moves and, and trading favorites like Reeves, who they easily could have kept on the team, like others <laughs> like that. Okay, get yeah, yeah, you, you love how I get my I, Reeves plug in? I, 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 yes, I, I, there's so many favorites out of Vegas that have been traded, and I love I how you go and ride Reeves. You could like Flurry. Uh, the so fact just, that you have not stopped by the Ryan Reeves Brewery with all your time in Vegas, Sean, is, is disappointing <laughs> as my spits and sets co-host. <laughs> I'm sorry. Max Pacioretty was a tough decision. Let's just say yes, that. Yes, uh, yes. I'll use that as an example. And other populars, <laughs> other popular figures other yeah. than Ryan Reeves. <laughs> so I, I say that as those are aggressive moves. And I just, I'm just going to take a step back and play the fan here. And, and the guy, I, I just don't mm-hmm. want another year, Sean, of saying, well, we're cap strapped. We can only do so much. Because that's yeah, been a narrative that we hear year after year. Well, and, and my thing is, is like, let's get rid of the situation then as far as being capstrapped. And I believe, um, I don't know if it's like this free agency class is not good. So it's not like there's anyone where I'm, um, there's not anyone where I'm like, okay, I need to buy out Suter or whatever to to sign that particular guy. But I do think there's a lesson here of, Look at Vegas and look at the barbership trade, right? Um, the barbership trade is it was a team saying, okay, we need this to go get this. If you buy out Suter, you let Joel Hanley walk because I think as I think Joel Hanley is gonna demand more. I don't I think Joel Hanley is another person who is a great number seven, but I think it's time to let someone else pay him to be a third pairing guy. Um I know this is very Bill Belichicking of me, but it's very like I think part of it. There's I agree. a reason that it's it's how you it's you have to make those tough decisions, and I want either that space to bring back a forward, or I want that space that two point eight million dollars in cap space for the trade deadline. How often do we hear the deadline like this year, bringing in Domi and Dadanov? Those were the pieces that helped to get the stars closer. You're right. Next, like I, I, I want that. Whether that cap space is used in in July, or whether it's used in February, I want that cap space. And to me, it's it adds another thing, another space that you can create. Where another space where you can create the, uh, where where you can create that by buying Suter out and getting that done, and getting yourself that extra wiggle room for that move that maybe you don't realize. You maybe maybe you do need someone. Maybe you don't, but if you have completely capstrapped yourself, and a lot of teams will be capstrapped because of how because of recent finances in the NHL, having that little bit of space is everything. So, I I start to go down this where I look at I look at the Stars kind of defense, and you talk about making that move and everything like that. 
how did Florida get to the cup final? How did Vegas get to the cup final? They mo- they made bold moves. They did. They weren't. They both made bold moves. Obviously, Florida with the Kachuk trade, Vegas with all the things they've done, and Jim Nill has shown he can prove a team that is consistently that is consistently a contender and consistently around. But what was the last? Like, what was the last bold move? The Sagan trade, right? Like, is, like yes. realistically, like, like bold move that came with risk. Let me, yes. let me put it that way. Cause like, I know people will be like, oh, you try, you signed Joe Pavelski. Joe Pavelski was a free agent. You didn't like Joe Pavelski was going to sign somewhere. Um, At the time like, that absolutely was a risk uh, trading for Tyler Sagan. Correct. Yes. And the Tyler Sagan trade, and you're willing to make that blockbuster and you're willing to do that. And, and you, and I, this to me is, the GM, the GM who wins the cup this year, whether it's Vegas, likely or Florida, will have been willing to take risks. And I think you take the risk that I think you need to take a risk with this move. It's um like if you want to be that team winning the whole thing, if you want to do that, you you have to I think you have to think a little further about this. So to summarize. Mm-hmm. Sean would like a buyout of Ryan Suter. However, also mentioned is it's not a deep, unrestricted free agent class regarding defensemen. There are some names out there, like a Dmitry Orloff comes to mind, but those will come at a price tag. I think what, to, to explain it, let's compare it to football. To me, I'm seeing defensemen, especially premium defensemen, more and more like cornerbacks in the NFL. You know, when, when they're out there, you have to pay a premium with quarterbacks, mm, yeah. cornerbacks. I mean, it is a premium yeah. position that you have to pay for, especially in the free agent market. And that's why Columbus, whether you agree with the trade or not, went out to get a defenseman from but, Philadelphia. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. who we talked about last week is a good defenseman, but, yeah. you know. I, I feel but like to be, to be quick, to be yeah. quickly fear Cliff Fair to Columbus. Um, if you had laid out that Provorov trade to me last week and said you would also bring Damon Severson in yep. to, uh, no, I, I still don't like how much Provorov cost, but to be clear, I at least it's more palatable mm-hmm. from a defenseman building standpoint that you also got Severson. So I will be give that to Columbus. But once again, that is a that's an aggressive move, and they're Correct. being aggressive Correct. already before the silly season has yeah. begun. So you know we talk about you know a new coach coming in and a pair of defensemen. So um, it it is impressive. So. Uh, remains to be seen. I did want to touch on this, Sean, just briefly, yeah. because this has been about Suter, but a lot of concern about Essa Lindell because that contract's really kicking in right now and also has a no movement. Um, does that play a factor as far as the future? Because that's a much bigger cap hit. Do you think Essa, do you think it was injury? You know, I mean, tell us about what your thoughts are on Essa Lindell. Yeah, it's I. I didn't expect Lindell to. Uh, I, I didn't expect Lindell to kind of have this. How old is he now? He's he'll be he'll be thirty. He's twenty nine. I didn't expect him to kind of hit the. It. I'm not sure if it was him hitting an aging curve. I don't know if it was that because if it did, that's a little bit frustrating. He's one. He's one player who. He was kind of, he's a player who, he's, I think he's, he can play in Pete DeBoer's system, but 
he's a player who was also, I think, built for other other coaches' systems they've had in the past. And I think his kind of his lack of an exact fit in DeBoer's system to start and kind of the in that space, I think was uh kind of played into it. Um he's someone who I, I do believe can bounce back and i'm not sure if that's me being overly optimistic on that one of it but like i look at i i, I think Esselindell bouncing back to form from two years ago i don't think is 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 a crazy crazy consideration um i'm also i look at him compared to i look at him compared to other player defensemen on the market and it's not like I could go out there and um, it's not other, other, it's not like I can find an easy, easy upgrade. Like I, I think Esselindell can still be a top four defenseman on this team. I think that he can be a top four defenseman on a team that wins the Stanley cup. It's just going to be interesting to see how he looks after game 10, 15, 20 this year, because I mentioned earlier of how do you build out, how do you take advantage of a potential suitor buyout? You do it with cap space, you do it with that stuff. And I think as we look at Lundquist and we look at Harley growing and maybe Lindell bouncing back, maybe your solutions are in-house. Maybe they are. But if they aren't, you have that cap space. This is all this all yep. connects, right? Okay. So it's it's uh I Lindell is also a player who he ices the puck more than anyone else. And, or he, he, I don't I don't think he did it this year, but in the past he's iced the puck more than he's someone who is, who is breaking through past coaching programming. He's never, he's always been the guy who you get the puck off the boards and out off the boards and out, chip it out, chip it out, chip it out. Occasionally he flips in, he flips, <laughs> flips in the high flip, which I would like to see him do way more. Um, yeah. But I, I think Lindell is a player that still needs to be reprogrammed by this coaching staff. And maybe you can do that. I don't know. It's not easy, but maybe you can do that. So I would still look at Lindell as a top four option. Like I look at this group, like I want, if I'm the, uh, if I'm the stars now, if you can make, if you can make a splash and find someone else to, to bring in, if you could find a, another player to bring in, but, with 82 games of growing into roles and 82 games of maybe readjusting to a system, I'm actually not completely scared by the idea of going to the top four of Hayshkin and Lindell, um, Harley and, uh, and, and, uh, and Lundquist. I'm, I'm not afraid of that. I, I think, I think if you gave the time and you were willing to have that patience and deal with some of the struggles early in the season for it, I think it would pay off. Now, that's the question is, are you willing to deal with the struggles early in the season? Yeah. Because there will be, there will be, it will be a learning curve. Size wise. Are we okay there? Um, do, do you I think, think I overrate that Sean? I don't think you overrate it. I, I, I don't think you overrate it. I think the, the Vegas team is hard to replicate Yeah, because point. the Vegas team is hard to replicate just because, and give you know what? Give Kelly McCrimmon a, 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 a huge credit for this. With how they built it, all six of those guys, all six of the Vegas defensemen, they can all skate. They all move so yeah. well. Like that's the thing where it's not the size is important, 
but it's the fact that all six move so well and they're basically they basically kind of created like carbon copies of each other where it's uh they're like all carbon copies of each other with each having like slightly more skill right where it's like pachangelo has more skill than a hague or a white cloud but at their core defensively they're very carbon copy like um so i i don't think it's possible to completely replicate the vegas defense and i don't think there's um and and i don't think there's players out there that really that really fits that that size i mean the one that i would definitely be in on if i was dallas and this would also be you'd probably have to make another move in addition to the suitor to buy out to do it i would be um i would see if i could make it work um look look at ryan graves because i think ryan graves brings that size and he moves well enough he's mm-hmm. 28 he's like i think he's 65 and 220 or whatever like that's that's one where if i could bring graves in and buy out after a suitor buyout and then all of a sudden i have kind of a um i all of a sudden have my six and seven competition is now between hawk and paw and miller or uh then all of a sudden I'm, I'm happy with that so uh but process like i think you want size you want to bring guys in but it's more it's more important that they're able to move because that's the biggest thing that you you watch that vegas team if you're watching that game tonight or you go back and watch any of that series it's how quickly that that big D- vegas defense moves yeah where it's like this this combination is not supposed to be consistent across the board well we talk about size and we talk about big guys that can move Hindsight's twenty twenty, but you know we get to play it. The only person that doesn't mm-hmm. is the general manager. Any regrets about Jamie Alexiak being offered up in the expansion draft at the time? I mean, yeah, it was a yeah. big contract. Um, I think I think if if my recollection is correct, here's what I'm thinking. At the time, yeah. the thought was still to put yeah. John Klingberg under a long term contract. Yeah. I don't think the, yeah, like it's, they're definitely hindsight's 2020. Like I definitely would have rather brought in, rather signed. Um, I, I rather would have signed Jamie Alexiak than having signed. Like I, I thought letting Jamie Alexiak go for what he signed for at the time was fine. Like I, I thought that was the right decision at the time. Um, now you look back on it and you're like, I would have much rather had Jamie yeah. Alexiak over having overspending the combined that you spent on on Hawk and Pa and and Suter. Yeah. So I would so yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um it's it's the interesting space too with, with Alexiak and like I mean let let's just go down this slight wormhole too on uh, on on kind of the concept of overthinking things and everything like that. Um, do we really think like one of the reasons that, and and it's not that the one thing I wonder on is did the stars make a mistake in trading Jason Dickinson to Vancouver to, because they were worried about losing him in the expansion draft. Um, I, I sometimes come back to that and I, and, and I don't have a defined opinion on this, Gavin, like mm-hmm. it's as we, like, this is literally, people are literally going to hear my brain go back and forth at the same time here. So hold on, everyone buckle up. Um, like Jason Dickinson, 
you thought you were going to lose him in the expansion draft. You were convinced you're going to lose him in the expansion draft. So he's like, okay, let's trade him. So we get something for him. And I think they got more value for Jason Dickinson than he probably was worth. It was not a bad, like, let's, let's go down the, like Jason Dickinson. It was the, what was that pick again? Let's see. I got to pull it up here. When he was drafted? It was, no, no, no. For oh. the, for when, when they, when they trade him to Vancouver. Oh, okay. They trade. Yeah. So because Jason traded, Dickinson for reference was the pick, I believe from, yeah, when Boston, the Yager trade, the Yager yeah. trade. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But so in, in, in 2021, the summer of 2021, the stars traded Dickinson to Vancouver for a third round pick. And, um, it was actually decent value. Um, the stars used that pick on a prospect named Martin Martino, who, I don't know, maybe becomes something. I mean, he's a point per game scorer in college as a, as a 20 year old. So maybe becomes something, but, um, but by trading, but they were so scared of losing. You're like, okay, we got to get something. We got to get something. And they're like, okay, by, by trading Dickinson away, they basically opened it up to, um, the best option to take from, from, from Dallas was to go and sign Alexiak and, and, and sign him and use that as the pick. And that's, and that's fine. Um, if the stars don't trade Dickinson and if they just let Dickinson go for free, quote unquote free in the expansion draft, maybe they're able to sign Alexiak. Maybe with Alexiak not being able to sign with Seattle before July 1st, he sticks around in Dallas and something comes together there. I don't know. Like it's, this is, as I said, I don't have a definitive opinion on this right now. This is me just literally throwing crap against walls about a Jason Dickinson trade from July of 2021. It's an interesting (laughs) perspective because I mean, I think he would have been tasty in the expansion draft because at that time, you know, I mean, he he was playing pretty well and, you know, he was a good two way player. Yeah. And Vancouver, Vancouver acquired him and then protected him. And he was someone who teams really liked and, um, was cheap and honestly fit a lot of the mold of the type of players Seattle took Mm -hmm. at the time. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. 